You've, you've pulled uh, the quote by Roy T. Bennett here, which is, nobody is exempt from the trials of life, but everyone can always find something positive in everything, even in the worst of times. And Roy Bennett, he wrote, um, what is it? A, a Light in the Heart, I think was the book, um, which contains a quote that, that I, I like myself, um, that, that I refer to often, which says, don't waste your energy on things you cannot change but rather pour it into things you can create um which obviously wow. as, a, as a creative really resonates resonates with me uh talk me through like your 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 choice of of quotes like just the because the, they, they they speak to the theme kind of which is south africans face with double jeopardy violence and corruption who do we seek in our trials um the, what was your thinking when 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 you were, were, were sourcing quotes on this? Do you are you not doing the introduction today? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is of course. Thank you very much for listening, and thank you very much for asking that question. Uh, this is of course the St George Rudd Staff Podcast, the official podcast of the Church St George the Martin and Kales River. Uh, and yeah, it's just a lovely conversation between two gentlemen who are both deeply concerned with the state of the listener's soul. And I'm joined as always by (laughs) (laughs) the director of our parish, the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. So yes, please respond to the question. Good morning, Lindsay, and good morning to those who are tuned in. Um, You know, this, of course, as you well know, from having, uh, having journeyed with me and I with you for the past three years, that this is a recent thing I've been doing. Um, Let me say that Normally, I don't use quotes from whatever experts on a subject that I'm talking. Uh, safe to say that I would say you take responsibility for what I say. I, I, I would say that maybe I read a book, but I can't remember all of the, the details about it. Yeah. <clears throat> um, if I know that there's no originality of thought by from coming from me. Although everybody, uh, one one uh, professor questioned the, whether anything is original, you know the patented uh, thing around uh, words. Mm-hmm. But of recent times, I just thought I just it just dawned on me to say, okay, here is a theme, here is a text. What is others saying about such such a theme and such a text? And I tried to go and find the most uh, radical ones. Uh, because, the, you know, sometimes your theme, there's not too many stuff available on your yeah. theme or the text. And I don't want to just use another Bible text to confirm the theme or the text that I'm going to use. So I do go, um, one, one of the, the, the things that I normally use would be uh, Goodreads, dot whatever it is. The, yeah. the, I find the Goodreads quite a very good um, source to draw from. And um, and that is how I come upon it. I read through what it is. I see. I I go for the ones that are shorter, because then they're easier to use. The one that are lengthier, uh, perhaps doesn't have you know you know capture the Im- Im- imagination as does shorter quotes. I also mm-hmm. try to avoid um, these very fundamentalistic points of view, uh, yeah. where you know they they want to give you the answer rather than challenge your own um, responses. So 
Um, so this is how I came across. Um, you know, if you look at the theme that I chose for today, the theme would the thing that I'm looking at is who do we seek in our trials? Mm. So, so then I asked the quotes about trials, and that's how I came up with these three ones. And that one particularly, although, for example, Julio, uh, Paulo Julio is one of my favorite authors. Yeah. Um, and so obviously I was going to go for him. And I have, I think I've read uh, Veronica Decides to Die. Um, uh, Bennett's one and 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 um, Kalyan's one seem also to capture my attention as well. So yes, that's how I came upon that. Okay. Choose it. Choose choose my quotes. Yeah. Uh, so the readings today don't really speak deeply into the theme that you have extracted, but they do kind of on this 18th Sunday after Pentecost, uh, they do kind of link up with the quotes that you've stumbled on, uh, or at least the sentiment of the quotes that you've stumbled on. So the first one is our boy Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 1, 4 to 7. Um, and I'm going to take you to chapter, I mean, verse 6, or at least verse 5. So he's, he's writing to the people um, from Jerusalem in Babylonia, Nebuchadnezzar is now obviously taken, and he's like, build houses and settle down, plant gardens, and eat what you grow in them. Marry and have children, then let your children get married, so that they also may have children. You must increase the numbers, you must increase in numbers and not decrease. Work for the good of the cities where I have made you go as prisoners. Pray to me on their behalf. Because if you are prosperous, if they are prosperous, you will be prosperous too. And it's a, it's a, it's a lovely sentiment um, of kind of being in the situation that you are, like accepting the situation that you are in, and making the best of it. And and like in the past, maybe I have written this off as 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 a toxic like kind of Christian trait where you must not just accept everything that happens because thus is God's will, um, which in itself, in and of itself, is 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 deeply problematic. Uh, but I, I, I enjoy this because it's, it's not a defeatist and it's not kind of like waiting for that savior, you know? It's like, this this happened. This is something that happens in the real world. Sometimes you end up in less ideal circumstances than you expected, but you kind of just have to, you know, get on with it and and make the best of of where you are. Are, are you are you getting the same kind of thing from from this from this passage? Well, you see, I I think when I I'm, I'm very impressed with the social analysis of the prophets uh, because their message does not just address um, the spiritual or hidden part of a human soul. Hmm. Uh, I think that they that the interest in which they, well, let me put it like this: the the the, the ground the, the 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 ground cause for which they speak is the God of the covenant of that people. And so, was the covenant solely just to do with? Don't worry about what goes on with you on earth. All will be well in heaven. But when you look at the 
covenant that God had with um, the people, you will be my kingdom of priests. So the word kingdom relates to the earth as well. You shall be my holy nation. Nation has some emphasis there and then holy. So in other words, God's purpose for the people on the earth that God had given them. Uh, where there is so much, much, much problem. So when you talk about build houses and settle down, um, that's the longing of every human soul. Um, I was in Cape Town last week, and, you know, I, I, I still remember the built-up District 6 that I grew up in. I did a service at the school um, where I was one of my first alma maters because... Um, it was a reunion of those who trained there when it was still a teaching training college at Zonnebloom. So it's back to my roots. But as I'm driving into the area, here in front of this palatial um, CPUT are these little pandokis under trees that are still purposed to be there. Um, uh, somebody creates a structure. Somebody puts around him something that can protect him from yeah. the elements. It's not the safest, but this is home to him. So in my view, therefore, everyone needs to have this kind of a sense of um, being sheltered. And in government policies, there are those kind of sentiments. However, is there the political will to ensure that this happens? But if the prophet speaks out about this and tells the people this is the future vision for you, then where are the prophets of God's church that would speak into um, the problem with housing uh, and all of those kind of things? We, we, we have too little information about it and we engage too little with um, the powers that be to ensure that this this happens. So in other words, I think this is the one thing I learned about the Jewish mind in terms of, of, of how life is looked at. The Jewish understanding was that you look at life holistically, you don't departmentalize and compartmentalize things. Mm -hmm. um, the bodies God gave us needs shelter. God's covenant is not excluding that reality mm. that um, if they were to do all that the covenant asks them to do god asked them to do in the covenant then part of of that needs for them to settle down somewhere safe and have a normal life and let that be part of their witness uh yeah. the old greeks came and just cut us up body mind soul and spirit and so we depart you know, departmentalized things. And, um, we, you know, so I think that for me, this just says um, that the God whom the prophet, um, uh, you know, speaks about and speaks to people from the basis of the message in his heart is a God that is, that cares about the wholeness of, of, of who we are. Uh, as his people on this earth. So it is encouraging to hear that the prophet uh, was able to speak this to the people, particularly because, uh, you know, they had been in and out of exile. So where would they be able to have had the sense of settling down, you know? And and um, so, yes, I, 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 I draw strength from that. 
Um, but whilst it's easy to say build houses and settle down, you know, with the kind of world that we have and the red tape associated with that and the way society is shaped and formed, it's not going to be an easy thing. And when you, and just the tidbits that I get from the, 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 the you know, Jerusalem and, and, and Palestine and all that, even though we found this land, there's not a certainty about settling there. There is always a fight about that space. Um, so they haven't really settled. And so what normal life do they really have? Um, so the, 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 the struggle continues. And is it because Israel selfishly wants to lord it over the Palestinians and not, you know, say, as much as you, as I have a need for ground and home and normal living, so yeah. do you also have that. Why do you? Why do I need? Why do I need more space than you? Why am I so greedy that all I think of is luxury, or all I think about is, um, um, you know, uh, exposing my wealth? and my power and all of that, when you and I need the basic same thing. Um, you know, whether you are, your ashes are buried in the ground or whether my body has been put into the ground and there's a fancy tombstone around it, the grave is a grave is a grave is a grave, rich mm. for poor, whoever it is. So why in this life is there that sentiment of selfishness? Yeah. So just that's those. these are all the kind of stuff that we need to talk about whilst it's easy to say build houses and settle down, have a normal life, that's not in the in shape of society. That's not possible for many people. Yeah, but I mean, you, you're always going to have that, that restlessness that, that kind of poverty enforces where you're not going to be happy and nor should you be happy with, with the circumstances that you are in. So I, I take out of this kind of passage um and a lot of philosophers as well that i that i uh ascribed is like yeah you you kind of just need to keep working on your own happiness like it's not going to come from somebody else yeah yeah, yeah. and, and no, so you're this, right. this, this, this is a problem that that comes up often and and like i'm going to continue on my anti-poll agenda because i i truly believe that um, I, I think in, in, in this season, um, in, in this the third year of, of doing this podcast, I've I've narrowed down my disdain for Christianity, um, or at least a, a, a popular idea of Christianity um, as like directly descending from passages like um, Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter two, verses eight to 15, where he's like justifying whatever he's going to say after this. So he's like, remember Jesus Christ who was raised, raised from the death, who was a descendant of David, as he's taught in the good news I preach. So you take that from, from a literary perspective, right? This is now somebody who is coming in and trying to convince you that his words carry authority granted from somewhere else, besides for just trading on the strength of his own character and the strength of his own personality and the impression he has made on the people already. Now he's drawing from like this otherworldly sense of power. You know? <laughs> and this is this is 
this is a typical like dictator authoritarian playbook this is this is straight out of that this is like the genesis of this kind of rhetoric of that kind of rhetoric and then he's like and so I endure everything for the sake of God's chosen people in order that they too may obtain the salvation that comes through Christ Jesus and brings eternal joy. This is a true saying. If we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we continue to endure, we shall also rule with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are not faithful, he remains faithful because he cannot be false to himself. Remind your people of this and give them a solemn warning in God's presence not to fight over words. And yeah, again, he just continues with like, now it's the conditions that you need to meet to be able to achieve this idea of like mercy, grace, salvation, whatever. You know, it's like you have to act in this way. And like, it, it <laughs> I've, I've had so many conversations over the last couple of weeks with 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 listeners with family members with about my my ever hardening stance on on Paul and then you come across this kind of thing which just undermines everything that we've discussed so far everything that even came out of the Jeremiah passage and also kind of flies in the face of of what Jesus was really speaking into where he was placing insane conditions on people like in, in the gospel according to Luke chapter 17 verses 11 to 19 um, so he heals the 10 lepers and only one comes back the Samaritan the author obviously revealed that it was a Samaritan that came back and he's like yeah but didn't I heal 10 and he's and then it's like yeah but the other nine didn't smack to like come say thank you but it's not like he unheals them <laughs> <You know? laughs> like there's there's no conditions to to that kind of outpouring of compassion that 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 version of salvation where paul like just just completely twists uh, this this idea uh do, do you have any response to to to, to that thing <laughs> oh yes i do <laughs> <laughs> um perhaps firstly i i would like to say that um you know that your your um 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 your rhetoric around St. Paul um, has often uh, reminded me of uh, um, certain circles in the clergy world who would say because Paul was struck by lightning, uh, he, what he writes is so difficult to <laughs> engage. <laughs> The, the question is, what I, what I appreciate of St. Paul, and I don't know whether in your reading of his works and his instructions that he gives, like like he's a mentor to Timothy, who's a young leader, whether Paul is still influenced by the uh, Pharisaic um, arrogance, if one could call it that, uh, you know, I'm right, you're wrong kind of thing. But if even if that is there, because like our past doesn't necessarily just leaves us, it still has very keen, um, uh, keen um, attachment to us. Uh, we've got to become aware of it, whether it's still healthy to have it, and whether we should let it go. But when I listen to all of this, and particularly uh, that I'm that I am that I I, I I am even chained like a criminal. 
This was a man who went after others who believed in Jesus to criminalize their behavior. He is um, radically changed from an experience on the road to Damascus. I ever we read uh, Acts chapter 9 and Paul's um, conversion experience. Um, for me, Paul was a deep thinker. Paul was a scholar, tent maker though he was, he was a scholar and he took faith seriously. Um, that journey he made uh, 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 Damascus and encounter with Jesus, um, where Jesus is portrayed as being uh, exceptionally generous to St. Paul, given that Paul's journey was about the criminalization of those who had chosen to follow Jesus after hearing the gospel. Now, I just want to draw your attention to the very verse you started with. Mm -hmm. And it says, as he's taught in the good news I preach. Now, does Paul make claim that this is his good news or the good news already available and he has become a proponent of that message uh, to share? I am sure as a journalist, when you hit um, the idea of a story that you explore and, 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 and you know, do whatever you need to do to then say, why, why do I need to let the readers know what I've just discovered and what I'm learning? And I think Paul, like a journalist, um, was, was very drawn to the message he himself had come to learn um, and grow in and become a very um, committed proponent of. And so he was able to sit and think very deeply about what the meaning of Christ is to him. What does the, the resurrection and death? He wasn't there when the death and resurrection happened. Um, uh, he may have been there, in, but he wasn't particularly part of yeah. the gospel describes. So, so how does he therefore interpret this meaning? which for him is good news, is good news conditional? Mm. You know, um, you either hear good news and believe it, or you hear good news and you discard it. Is the, is, is the journalist, for example, writing about something, is bringing news to those who are readers and hearers. So the question is, my article this week is about A, B, C, and D. And if you take it into your, your framework of thinking, you'd be empowered to do A, B, C, and D mm -hmm. in terms of your life. So this is how I understand, Paul, given that your and my context is kind of a journalist um, conversation so that others can be drawn into a conversation we've held to explore faith during a time of crisis. And when are we not in a crisis? We don't need COVID-19 to be in a crisis. You know, this week, for example, has been terrible with killings and, you know, that yeah. terrible motor, um, uh, truck accident yesterday on the M3. Um, it's just, it's just 
uh, you know, uh, a seemingly senseless week at, week at the loss of life. Mm. So what would be the good news that people need to hear in this crisis? What, you know, when, when I listened to, the, to, to Cape Talk yesterday, uh, the person that they interviewed was the chief of traffic. Yeah. He wasn't there, but he had to report on all of this. And what was the outcome is people don't go down that way. You need to find another route to get home. Or if you are at home, don't go out, stay at home. Um, but what I kept wanting to hear even more deeper about the story was a 35-year-old died on that road because of that accident. People were injured. My pastor lot went out to their families. That truck driver that had no clue his his what's the name would would burst. So yeah. what, what am I? Where am I going to draw something from that can give hope, encouragement? Um, mm. Uh, uh, and and so when I look, and this is actually a canticle, the section that Paul, where Paul says, for him, this is a true saying, based on yeah. the work of salvation that Jesus Christ brings us and the eternal glory. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. We continue to endure. And this is one of the canticles that is used in the life of the church. I think mm-hmm. this is where I often am struggling with this. If we deny him, he will also deny us. That's the line I I battle with. Would would Jesus really deny me? And what does that mean in the long term of things? But at the same time, um, I I, I remember I can't, I can't remember exactly the saint's name that did this, but I'm gonna get I'll get it for you sometime. Where he was faced with the challenge of death, mm. um, if he did not deny Jesus. And he stood in front of the emperor and said, how can I deny him? All he ever did for me was good. Yeah. And he lost his life as a result of that. Now, it's interesting. Is your life, your earthly life, less important than what you believe? It depends <laughs> on, like, I, I, I will always qualify that because you've attacked me on, on, my, on my credentials, which is, I mean, fair. I do this to you often. I'm using it as a tool. <laughs> <laughs> you are using me. <laughs> um, uh, and 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 I, I mean that that's fair. I, I I attack you in your place of work. You are currently <laughs> in your suit of work, and I break down the very thing that, that I mean on, on an existential level. Um, I, I I I go quite personal with you <laughs> through my box. I was I was reflecting on it the other day where I was like, wow, <laughs> Father Rodney, Rodney Whiteman, the man, holds these fundamental beliefs, which are like intertwined with, with his experience of existence. And every week I'm just out here like swinging, the, <laughs> taking the axe to it. <laughs> And 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 I mean it's it's all it's all good rhetoric. I I, I hope I hope we, we it's upbuilding. It's upbuilding. Yes. You know, yes, I mean this... I I find it upbuilding. <laughs> I was I was selfishly telling somebody the other day where it's like I've done more for Christianity, <laughs> like the strength of and resolve of like some Christians than like pretty much any pastor has ever done. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think because we don't we don't critique ourselves and we yeah. we criticize ourselves, but we don't critique ourselves. 
Um, and so this kind of conversation um, is, is for me very, very essential, uh, which I mean, I, I have to continue to say thank you to you uh, uh, and for God giving you the wisdom <laughs> to help anyway, me but, find this, well, this station. <laughs> yeah, uh, back, back to the poll. Like, this, this is why it's insane to me that like we as a species, a overwhelming number of of humans out there like encounter these words weekly daily and like there's been so much human energy mental energy poured into deciphering and like yet we still carry this like it it's if you read it as in in, in the manner that i do like as as a realist as like someone who's analyze the rise of various um, destructive regimes, um, even currently um, um, doing some some deep analysis into like what what exactly is happening with with Ukraine and like I'm I'm still sympathetic to some of 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 Putin's motivations um, because like the rise of Ukraine and it joining the rest of Europe or at least joining NATO, is an existential crisis for, for Russia. That's, that's just the truth. And you can't expect someone who's built the reputation that Putin has to just kind of let this happen. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but it's just insane to me that, that we, can, we can still like, refer to this and like you on the other side of this conversation can like still defend um, the historic kind of impact of this. Because this is, written, I, I understand the context where, where, where Paul is in. It's still a growing church. This message is still spreading. But this dude is just being quite mercenary with things that he actually doesn't understand. Like, on a, on a practical level. Like, he wasn't there. Like Jesus didn't minister to him directly. He doesn't actually know Jesus the person as is described in by the other apostles who were actually around, you know. And he's just taking these ideas that he's now got from the other apostles that he's now encountered and like and, and he's just picking willy-nilly <laughs> and putting together things. And it's like we all just stole overwhelming number of people on the planet just go along with it and like actually accept it as law over what Jesus was actually saying and Jesus was just like yo love everybody <laughs> do you think Paul's writings um, uh, um, causes us to have a faith that is governed by legalism and when I look at what he says it's to give I mean, there's, there's, there's an essential in our faith to give guidance. Um, we need to inform our faith. How do we inform our faith? Uh, being human, we are informed through readings, through stories, yeah. uh, through research. Um, I mean, there's no... Um, so, so scripture is of an importance. And when I always go by the understanding that the Anglican Church has given to me that 
within scripture is contained everything essential for salvation. So is Paul essential in his teachings for getting the message of salvation across to everybody? Um, look at Paul's Christology, the focus of, of salvation is Jesus Christ. Now, given yeah. what Jesus did, and where would Paul have understood that from? You brought up a very interesting thing. Did he sit and listen to what the apostles that had now... Because it's, because Galatians, for example, he challenges Paul, Peter, sorry, mm-hmm. you know, who chose... Well, Peter was the rock that Jesus said he would build well, the church. Well, absolutely. Just remember that. <laughs> absolutely. And, and he challenges him because Peter acted like a coward at that yeah. particular church, uh, uh, you know, what's his name. So, you know, he, and he's Paul a fundamentalist uh, the, mm-hmm. in terms of his legality uh, that you can see. I don't see that in all of this. I think there is a need to, you know, when you're giving guidance for people then to make up their minds just how helpful your guidance is. And I think for Paul, having done what he did as the Pharisaic leader and then coming to a conversion experience and now speaking for the other side, as it were, um, Remember, there was Galamiel, I can't remember pronounce his name, and Ananias, who was the one who had given Paul instructions as his eyes were beginning to lose its, uh, you know, its blindness. So, so Paul then looks at all of these things far more deeply, and particularly because he's now a prisoner as a result of proclaiming this mm-hmm. gospel. You know, when you think of Madiba in behind prison bars, yeah. okay, so he was a political prisoner. Um, he's the volume of deep reflection on life. Not that his message is necessarily perfect, but when he comes out and, and we ask him a question, you could hear that there's some deep thinking, yeah. you know, so that as he's deeply thought about it, he himself is sharing his conversion mm-hmm. in, in, in line with the question you are asking that is relevant to the context. Yeah. You ask that to any other prisoner that went in for a crimin, criminal, I mean, a career criminals mm-hmm. and stuff. The issue is still for them that that if they can do the perfect crime and not get caught, that would be the ideal for them. Mm. So they'll still live with him. Paul was journeying with his faith. Yeah. And shared it. You know, I mean, like now, here in the 21st century, um, we have a, a scholar that says, Paul, where did you come on all these things? Yeah, <laughs> and um, um, uh, um, another person that is saying whose credentials I don't really know that well, but is saying, "Is this the journey of faith?" And he is teaching us what he came to believe in this journey of faith. Um, when we read Paul or when we read Scripture, is it about the rightness of the author? 
Yeah. Or is it about his personal discovery and journey, his reflection on what he was taught, his understanding of the context, and therefore this is a testimony of his faith? Was he just sitting in a high chair telling Timothy, this is what you must do, and that is what you must do, and tell the people that, or was he actually reflecting on his own journey of faith, given that he had to be, he, he was often in chains because of this. Mm. So mm. I don't see this as a dict- dictatorial statement, a dictatorial yeah. writing. I see this as Paul's own journey of faith yeah. and, uh, and how to help people try and stay true to this faith, which, which is about the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ and brings eternal glory. Mm. But like, if you if you relate it to modern terms, right? Like the situation we are right now in right now as a country, right? You have a government that transitioned originally transitioned us from an oppressive regime to a free nation, and they were very necessary. And like the the communist vibes and like all of that was very necessary to shape the the foundational tenets of South Africa, what South Africa stands for. And from a global perspective, if you look at South Africa, we are the only nation that has gone through this process without like outright civil war. <laughs> yeah. And and with most of us living in not like not really feeling the economic impacts of of like that kind of, of transition which is incredible we the only story like that in the entire history of the world mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and we needed the anc in the shape of the anc right 1994 happens all of that fast forward 2022 do we still need that government no we need a different one now that's like grown up with all the things understands the way the world is moving and can help transition the economy and the country towards that so now you have the reverse so like now you have the people who felt like they were robbed of something through the transition because they had freedom and now they just continued with the freedom, like nothing was taken from them effectively. Uh, They weren't stripped of anything. But now you have an overwhelming majority of people who had humanity restored to them over the last couple of months. So like, I I know it's kind of contradictory to my view of humanity um, that I've expressed on this, but uh, in this particular situation, I'm referring to the humanity of having agency over your own life. You're not being dictated to by a regime that regards you as a second class human. You know, you are now equal among everybody in the country. That's just to to define um, what I'm saying. So in the same way, I think the church needs to reevaluate Paul <laughs> because you I know what 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 you mean when you say um and and unfortunately it's also part of your training <laughs> and 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 part of your faith 
is that let's be empathetic to his perspective. You know, this is him journeying with his faith and he's not necessarily um, being malicious with like dictating these kinds of, of, of whatever he's saying. He's not being malicious with, with, with his thoughts. He's just battling with his own internal kind of struggle. Fine. Perfect. But that's Paul, the writer, Paul, the artist. Now that person has laid the foundation for global regime. It's laid the foundation for governments that have aligned themselves with Christianity that are ruling other people. And they are now clinging to these words because it's very easy to just conflate it with whatever oppression you are wanting to pull out. So now you're using the tricks that Paul has used that I highlighted in this passage, in this very passage, where he's like, suddenly you're not dealing with Paul. This is not Paul writing to Timothy. This is Paul saying, yo, dude, I just preached the good news that comes from, you know, above. <laughs> you know, I'm just a vessel in this. I'm, you know, <laughs> this isn't actually my words. And it's like, no, we can't keep living like we don't need that. We need to reevaluate this rhetoric within the current context. You know, is it helpful? No, I don't think so. Should we move back to foundational, fundamental, um, like actual root Christian philosophy from Jesus? Yes. Like, just discard the dude. <laughs> like, you know, he's served his time. You know, give him his payout and <laughs> he can take the stage left. Yeah. I, you know, again, one, one, say, one has to listen to the, the understanding of the voices that help shape and influence things. At the end of the day, the listener and the reader still has to discern whether the implementation of what they are understanding is helpful going forward. I, uh, so I see Paul as a very necessary, critical voice for my faith. I take very seriously the kind of things that he taught. Why? Because I am seeking to understand where in all of what he's saying um, is this message of good news that he's preaching. Now, would good news therefore be um, when people use this to shape society, as a legal thing, then I think then uh, that for me becomes problematic in that uh, it then gives them <clears throat> the bias that what they're doing is justified by scripture. Parte did that. Uh, that's not scripture's fault. That's the fault of those who choose to interpret it in the way that would justify their position and thinking. I think scripture plays the opposite role. Scripture challenges what is in us that would be corrupt because we are so easily corruptible in order for us to, to rethink our stances on, on these things. If I'm going to write a legislation that would suit um, let's say the wealthy, then and try to justify it based on scripture. Uh, these these guys that are going around saying you must be prosperous 
will use Jeremiah as a front for their gospel of prosperity. Yet, what does Jesus celebrate in the gospel reading today? Two things that I see here, the fact that everybody received healing, and you made a very crucial point. You said he did not take the healing away from those that were not thankful. In other words, he told them to go and show themselves. They obeyed that. But then the Samaritan comes and says, thank you. Because he realized where the healing came from. And would the Samaritan therefore be allowed to go to a rabbi and say, I'm leprosy free because Jesus touched me? Because he wouldn't have been allowed to go into that. So was Jesus, um, you know, challenging the arrogance in some religious behavior? We're thankfulness, we're recognizing where it comes from and living a, a life of thank thankfulness. Because this is, for me, the, 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 the generation of a, of a fair society. If I can recognize that what I have is gift and I'm thankful, then I'm going to be very generous because I know that I've been blessed and I'm called to share. Living a thankful life is a life lived to share. Now, does St. Paul, therefore, legalize it in such a way with his teachings? Or is he helping to give shape and more meaning to what Jesus taught according to the Gospels? If he points to Jesus because he says, remember Jesus Christ, so where did he get? And at that stage, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were not written. Paul was the first yeah. of New Testament work and the major contributor to the New Testament. So he, he must, must have gained a view about Jesus based on the oral traditions that were going around around mm -hmm. Jesus to be able to say, well, now if that is all that you told me about Jesus, then this is what Jesus means to me. How do I therefore speak to those whom I want to encourage? To follow yeah. Jesus. So I see even, even if, he's, if his voice is a voice that comes across as being too directive and too legalistic, um, it's still depending on the discernment of the reader and the listener. On I, how I, I get what you're saying, but unfortunately, Christianity to... has evolved into this thing where it's prescriptive and not up to discernment. You know, religious instruction has become very prescriptive. Sadly, sadly, again, it becomes prescriptive to those who choose to be lazy about their faith and not critique what they hear, not dialogue about what they hear, to come to an essence of truth that can help them. Because a lot of the, I mean, I think, you know, he goes on here in verse 14. Um, Do not fight over words. It ruins those who listen. Um, and of course, when we, when we listen to political rhetoric, what are they fighting about? Uh, when we listen to economic rhetoric, what are they fighting about? When we listen to legal rhetoric, what are they really fighting about? 
a battle for the a battle of words, a battle for um, my words are more powerful than Lindsay's words, or Lindsay's words are more powerful than my words. Well, what what are the listeners supposed to do? What are the readers supposed to do? Um, we need to empower people uh, that they do not just swallow everything for soot cook. And unfortunately, in the so-called um, ecclesiastical world, there are chances. Now, I just I just want to go back. The words that I chose for for the theme are not my words. South Africans faced with je- je- double jeopardy, violence, and corruption. I was in a in a in a in a conversation with clergy, and the speaker, Reverend Courtney Sampson, raised that idea. And so I said to him, I asked him a question. If you come from a liberation movement that challenged the injustices of the society you lived in, that you live in, would your conscience not have been liberated by the liberation movement's tenets, the belief structures, the code of ethics, so that when you became government, that consciousness of what it means to live in a society where liberation is still of essence and that it filters through how you will help govern the country. And, and, and so his words to me was, but look who's currently in parliament. Are they the ones who have really been um, guided by the penance the experience of the liberation movement. Um, so, so obviously their experience of governance will be, I'm going to avoid poverty for myself. And the only way I'm going to be able to do that would unfortunately be through corruption. And when I'm focused on being corrupt, then how do I address an issue of violence where the people that may be in my, my own constituency will not be able to, to do that. So now, would, would St. Paul, based on his thesis that he's preaching the good news and the good news is about the salvation of Jesus Christ, uh, then would Paul then not then have been ha- helping Christians develop a consciousness there about how we help the world to that space which, where Salvation has to do with liberation and justice and freedom and building of houses for everybody and so on. So what possessed the Christians then to assume scripture justifies a position of prosperity for some and not for others? And that it it says, you don't have faith, therefore you're not prosperous. Where would that mindset have crept in? And unfortunately, people look for justifications in scripture. Paul, I think, is an important critic, an important voice to help develop a Christian conscience. We can't discard what he has said, but when we read it reflectively, prayerfully, and every other way we read it, it must come to that. If his central message is around the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, and we look at his Christology, and we look at how that Christology was seeking to build a community. Mm. The question would be, is it 
to, to form and shape a legalistic um, community where exclusion is one of the things around um, around uh, legalism, is salvation not there for everybody? The gift of salvation. I mean, I think the gospel reading then therefore tells us this. What God gives is for everybody. And that's what happened in the gospel. The Jesus was just celebrating that somebody recognized where it came from and lived thankfully. So I think, I think whilst it, people would and need and must critique scripture, its writing, how it's understood in the context in which it was written, I think that St. Paul is a, an important voice to listen to, um, even though his message is sometimes difficult to, to embrace. I will still maintain that in modern terms, um, and just the way that Christianity has, has been contorted um, to become this thing that, that I, I really don't want to associate myself personally with uh, my, my personality, my, my, my philosophy, my own thing. But I'm happy for my children to be raised as Christian, which is in and of itself quite a paradox. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 just, it's just a voice. His voice is a voice that has characterized all of the issues that 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 I have and I can see the genesis of so much destruction um in 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 those those words in the techniques that that I mean if if he predates the gospels some of the gospels um you can see that it predates a, a lot of it is the genesis of a lot of of harmful rhetoric um and i think that's a good place to, to end this on um, I, I need to challenge you on that point i need to challenge you on that point his <laughs> writings does not he's easy the message in his writings does not predate the gospel hmm. It comes as a result of what he yes. learned. No, but, but I'm saying the actual like recording of it. No, uh, he's right. Yes, the writings are. Yes, the, so, the yeah. formulation of the Bible. Sure. Uh, the, 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 the challenge is uh, whilst, whilst for us as Anglicans in our liturgy, the gospel still remains the centrality of what scripture brings. Yeah. Yeah. So be it Old Testament and the New Testament, it's still... Mm. It's the focus of the gospel. Sorry that yeah. I took no, no. Gospel. It's important that you made that point uh, because in the gospel reading today, Jesus didn't um, undo the the deed that he did. He didn't remove salvation from <laughs> from the people who didn't say thank you. And that is an important lesson to end on. And thank you very much for listening. Yes, and you just preached the gospel now. <laughs> <laughs> Until next week. Sir. <laughs> Enjoy your time and love to the family and thanks for everybody listening. Thanks, Lindsay. Appreciate you, brother.